Welcome to Yella Mensa, exploring cross-centered contextual justice in the South African context. Yella Mensa is a ministry of Islambano Center for Public Justice. I am your host, David Kluter, and with me is John Skiopers. Hey, everybody. Good to be with you. Today, we have with us Denny Musaji. Denny? Hi. Thanks for having me back on your show. Denny is from Arise. She's here for the fourth part of our series, Not All Viruses Are Equal in which we are reflecting on the impact of COVID-19 or that it could have on communities which are already suffering under the impact of long-term structural inequality and the legacy of spatial apartheid, as well as reflecting on the role which the church could play both during the present crisis as well in the long-term crisis uh, of the prevailing legacy of structural inequality around issues such as housing, sanitation, Uh, and spatial apartheid. And finally, we are hoping to connect you with some people and organizations who are not only engaged in uh, practical efforts to combat the the virus, but who have um, a proven track record over many years of working in both alleviating the effects of, as well as uh, dismantle the legacy of structural inequality and spatial apartheid. Mm. Denny, Welcome back to Yellow Mensa. Mm. Uh, the previous episodes uh, or episode you recorded with us on adoption is, yeah, we, we did it a, uh, uh, some time ago. Yeah, yeah we did yeah, it some time ago. There. But now you're back, you're back. Mm-hmm. And since the last time you were here on Yellow Mensa, you have been, I think, on two local radio stations. Maybe mm-hmm. more even. Yeah, we don't, <laughs> don't know. Don't know. Yeah. This, this, this lady's on a roll. Yeah. <laughs> I even had people on, on social media when I was sharing all this stuff. People was like, oh, can you connect me with Denny? Sure. <laughs> and I was like, no, she works for Arise. Like, I know Arise, but I want Denny. No, you got like, it in there. We know. We know people now. Yes, we know people. We now. know yeah. people. Yeah. I think we also have it on good authority. Good authority. Good authority that you have made your TV debut. <laughs> TV debuted uh, yes. just yesterday. Yes, yeah. yes. yes. Yesterday, yesterday I was uh, at Afternoon Express. So that was live wow. TV. Live TV. Oh, wow. Gosh, that was uh, yeah, nerve-wracking. Butterflies <laughs> definitely in the stomach. Sure. But yeah, got wow. through it, got through it. I mean, we, I mean, I feel butterflies. Just, yeah. just yeah. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> wow, should I, should I can get an autograph or something afterwards? Yes, afterwards. Uh, right. yeah. Yeah. Except I mean, we can't touch anything. But no. other than Yeah, that, we can't touch anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. It's, of course, obvious mm-hmm. that all of that happened after you interviewed on Yellow Mensa. I mean, and we just set you up. And now <laughs> yeah. you, it's not a coincidence. It's not so a coincidence. Not. Of, of course it's not. Yes, course, it's, it's definitely Yellow Mensa and our wonderful <laughs> marketing and communication person, Julie Kneisten, <laughs> who's really um, yeah, promoting Rise mm-hmm. and our marketing strategy, which is... Working, so thanks, Judy. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes, thanks, and, Judy. And Yola meant nothing. <laughs> yes, no, 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 Judy, no, no. this is all on you. Yeah, this yeah. Tell us about yourself, about Arise, the organization that you work for and the community that you work in, and especially uh, just with that, share with us just how you're feeling, uh, especially since the president came and addressed us uh, just last night. There will be a 21-day shutdown mm-hmm. nationwide. Yeah, so there's a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings. Tell us how you feel about what's, yeah, what's happening. Yeah, so for those who don't know me, um, my name is Danielle Musaji, but everyone knows me as Danny. I'm a registered social worker and I've been working in the field for over 12 years and I've mostly been working with families and children and teenagers on the Cape Flats. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, that is really, really hard. And then I decided to do some corporate work in change management and social policy. And then I did my master's in that field as well. And then I found Arise because uh, my heart 
And I, well, definitely God was calling me back to the Cape Flat. So about Mm. six years now, uh, I went to Arise and started there. And my passion has just grown for family strengthening. So I started there as a social worker. And then recently, well, now, goodness, almost two years, I've had the privilege of leading Arise um, and our strategy to uh, strengthen families throughout South Africa, no matter how families are formed. Um, and so that essentially is who Arise is. We're an NGO out in Hedefelt on the Cape Flats. And we believe that every child is created by God to be in a thriving family. And so we work in three ways to achieve that. Uh, one of the ways is that we work with existing families on the Cape Flats, right. trying to strengthen them through various programs, such as uh, parenting support groups, interventions in schools, um, and really trying to strengthen the relationship between caregivers and, ch- and children. Yeah, so sure. working on attachment, working right. on that sense of belonging, the nurturing, because wow. that's really important yeah, um, sure. in terms of having children thrive. They need caregivers who really are invested in their lives. Right. Um, and so in one way we work on that Um, but we also know that in an ideal world which we don't live in there are many children in our country that don't have families Mm -hmm. and so we advocate for permanency and so in that way we also uh, do adoption support through our workshops and our conferences Mm -hmm. that we do both Mm -hmm. in Cape Town and Johannesburg and we try and do our conferences at at least in one of the main cities and around South Africa And now thirdly, um, all of the programs that we have designed, written and implemented at our family center, we are training other professionals, um, psychologists, social workers, pastors, children's workers, Mm, anyone who's working with children. How do you have a family strengthening element in your organization? Um, Because that goes to the root cause of many of our issues in our country is that families are broken Mm. and our children need a sense of belonging Mm -hmm. and they need to feel nurtured and loved. And that is what we're trying to provide for our kids in South Africa. I, I didn't know that you guys provide training for pastors. Yes, so I, I mean, our invite is open to anyone um, to come for our training, and so yeah, we've had pastors come for training. Um, most mostly pastors in our marginalized communities, right. mm. um, but we've had um, children's workers from affluent communities in Cape okay. Town and PE. Um, so we've trained across the country. Brilliant. So last year we implemented this for the first time. We trained 97 professionals and sure. each of them reached over 2,000 children. So we're very excited to sure. see more and more mm. people um, interested in family strengthening, no matter how families are right. formed. I think that's interesting because I think even it should be a whole pastoral church team who should do something like this. Because often, as you say, in more affluent areas, what we do is we send the children's worker. And that's just what they do. And that's just their part. Meanwhile, as pastors, lead pastors, we are clueless or lead elders. Mm -hmm. We are clueless about actually. And then when stuff do happen that shouldn't be happening, Mm -hmm. then we fall like, what was the procedure? What was because we only know the bare minimums. We're not clued up ourselves. Mm -hmm. One of the things at Arise that we're also offering is training in understanding child protection in organizations, specifically in churches. Mm. We've had many phone calls, and this is how it started, is that we had many phone calls phoning us at Arise and going, hey, we worried about this child. This is what's happening, but we're too afraid to confront the family. What do we do? And it's our role as as mandatory reporters, and Mm. that's what pastors and churches are, is to protect our children. And so we're trying to 
um, equip churches as well. God, how do we care for families? And wow. church is a family. That's yeah. what it is as an institution. Right. So how do you have your family mm-hmm. as a church thrive? And that's through relationships. So what does your relationships mm-hmm. look like? Sure. Um, because at the end of the day, you need to role model that to your congregation. Sure. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. if you're not role modeling that well, then that dad that's sitting there or the mom or that aunt who's sitting in there has a kind of perception of what relationships are. Um, And so really we're trying Mm. to equip people to understand what is needed in families Mm. so that they can thrive. Focusing on the whole COVID-19 and everything that's going on, families are are proving to be really crucial in this. And a lot of the, just as we think about just the, the, the measures that are being placed mm. that people are, are locked down in, te- in a sense, families or households, because that's not necessarily nuclear families, are being thrown together in ways sometimes we haven't been yeah. before. Last night, the president, you know, told us we're all shutting down for 21 days. And so the feeling of this is real, this is becoming yeah. uh, way more real than I think we initially thought about a month ago. Right. And so I think families are now thrown together. One, we have to spend more time together, especially in African communities where you're just so busy and you right. are spending, you're basically passing each other because you have to go to work, you drop the kids, you, right. the kids need to go to extramural, yeah. you have supper, go to bed, good night, Ooh, and you yeah. start the day again. So now it's kind of reintroduction to who you are as a person. Right. And, and what makes you tick and what doesn't and getting to know your children. So in one way, this is a wonderful opportunity to reconnect as family. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you get the other side in terms of Cape Town where you have 14 families, 14 members living in a two-bedroom house. And so now it's crowded. Um, You know, there's no space. There's no privacy. If you're a teenager, that's all that you really want. And so, you know, and if mom is on substance abuse or there's substance abuse right. at home or if home is not safe. Right, yes. Um, no, I mean, this at a rise is our biggest well, issue. You know, how do we still be there for a community right. when we know many of our homes is not a place of safety right. yep. for many of our children? Yeah. Yes. And so school is their place of safety. Now that's closed mm-hmm. down. After school programs, that's closed down. Mm-hmm. So Churches even, yeah. Churches. Sports so all clubs, these places yeah, yeah, where yeah. kids are finding... A place of safety, right. even parents, even moms who, sure. you know, we've had clients who go, I just keep myself busy in the day. And at least I know if I'm at night, that's when it gets worse. Sure. And now we know that that's every, every single day. day. That is where my heart bleeds for yeah. the community. And so sure. unfortunately at Arise, we had to make the decision that, hmm. you know, we had to, to protect our staff and to protect right. our community. We were going to close the office, um, though we're going to try and work from home, but as well, there were many tears around the table last week, um, wow. just crying. Sure. I mean, it still makes me a little bit emotional mm. to go, emotional. we're not going to be there when the sure. knock on the door and someone is mm. going to come mm. and say, we need help. And that is really, really hard. Yeah. Yes, I can imagine. So we've been trying to get voices into the room, people who are working in or are living in marginalized communities. And Danny is one of those voices uh, and people who are there in, in the communities. You bring with you a different perspective on some of the the work that's needed because of your social work background. Mm. What has been the reaction in the communities? You just shared about those who you are working with, just from an Arise perspective, how people are responding, have responded to Arise closing its doors for, for the time. Uh, but what has been the general sense within the community in terms so, of... So, yeah, so last week we, we decided to use, because we were ending up the group anyway, because term mm. is ending. Right. And so we decided strategically to use that to educate our community members 
on COVID-19 yeah. and what was actually happening. Um, and so we had various groups um, that we did, churches and our center, inviting people to come wow. in and just mm-hmm. learning a little bit right. more. But also how in this time do they connect with their children? So again, right. it's yes. all family yes, yes, strengthening. Yes, yes. So That's it was funny. interesting to to hear people go, when we asked, how are you feeling? Um, initially, they go, oh, we're not worried. We get through hard things all the time. You yeah. know, there's gangs, there's apartheid. We've gotten all through that. Mm, um, yeah. But what they're worried about is their income. Yeah. The people losing their jobs already. Um, yeah. I had a, a dad crying because mm. he can't go back to work. And how is he supposed to provide exactly. for his family? Yeah. And so we're pushing people into really yeah. hard decisions mm-hmm. where they go, well, I get that we have to stay at home. Yeah. I get that we have to keep safe. But right. at the end of the day, how am I going to provide? Right. And so that has been number one, the concern mm-hmm. of our community. Um, already you have people who don't have sanitation, good sanitation, yeah. um, especially in our townships where people yeah. don't have running water, exactly. don't have a toilet to go to. Yeah. Wow. And so how do we keep those people safe? Yeah. And I think our biggest worry is once the coronavirus it's our marginalized communities. Yo. There is no way of stopping this. Yeah. There's no way. There's no quarantine. There's yeah. no self-isolation. Yeah. Where do you go to self-isolate mm-hmm. when there's 10 other people living in right, your home? Right. It's, it is really real, yeah. but that is not the main concern for people in our communities. Yeah. One is, yes, they're going to get sick, but also mm. how am I going to provide? Who's yeah. going to keep our children wow. safe when we really need the help mm-hmm. and when we're sure. already not getting the mm. help that we need? So I, I like the thing you said last. We're already not getting the help. So we're yes. already dealing with an yeah. economic, social crisis. Yes. But I think just one of the things that really we've been saying, and I want to say it again because maybe you have, this, you're only listening to the fourth episode or whatever, mm-hmm. but we're going to say it again, is that if you if you are in a position, and I really want to question that, what is a position anyway? But it, at all costs, if you employ people, please keep them at home and pay them. Um, and I want to say, even as the church, can we find ways to help small businesses? Can we help find ways to help people who maybe for whom that's not a reality that they can't keep paying people for without work? Let's let's get around. Let's find ways to do that because we are dealing with an immediate crisis. But there is, as Danny has indicated, there's well, first of all, there's a longer term crisis, but there there is potentially a second economic crisis that yeah. is going to hit even harder potentially. It, than, it might than not. COVID. It will. That's okay. the thing. It's, an, okay, it's it not will. a mind. It definitely will happen. Yes. And I think part right. of it as working as an NGO when we right. rely on donors, exactly. that's also something that we yep. have discussed. First thing people do is they stop donating to right. organizations. And so our jobs are also on the line. Exactly. But yeah, at the end of the day, we've just got to trust in God and, yep. and do what we need to do. Yeah. And so we're not closing a do- doors as a rise. If okay. the community needs us, we are there. We're working wow. from home as much as po- as, right. as much as possible, sure. but our ears are to the ground. Yeah. Uh, we have people in the community. And Brilliant. so we've posted posters around our building. Yeah. So wow. they have numbers that they can contact us if it's an emergency. And sure. we've partnered with other organizations that we know aren't closing. So our SAPs, um, police yeah. force, right. uh, our statutory services. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we've, obviously indicated to the communities those if it's an emergency go there first right. if it's something that you're still concerned about children contact us so we have a whatsapp line yeah. we have sure, our that's number that's still working that goes directly to our phones that right. we can answer um and so we're trying mm. our best to mm. to still be part of the community right. as much as possible i'm just which, thinking which is brilliant yeah. yeah i mean it's brilliant i'm just thinking as well yeah. perhaps we can get that WhatsApp number, we can put it below this podcast yes, as well yes, in case yes, someone yes. is listening or knows someone or is yourself uh, someone in trouble at this time, um, domestic violence or anything like that. 
please get in contact with Arise. These are important things. It's important to be looking after each other in these times. And um, thank you for keeping your doors open. Yeah, I'm sure that was a very hard decision. Yes. I mean, we have to. Our our passion at at Arise is that we want to see families thrive. For us, the organization isn't just something we do. It's something that we love. It's something that we feel. And so we have relationships with every client that comes through our door. We love them and we serve them. Mm. And to leave them has been really hard. I'm I'm trying not to get emotional here, but... It is really tough to go, well, there is this crisis. We are needed more now than ever. But we've been asked by our president, by the government, to keep a physical distance as much as possible. So we are trusting the organizations that we partner with that they are doing the best job as possible. And they are. Um, And and we love the organizations that we partner with. And in the meantime, we're working really hard and going, okay, how do we strengthen families from home and what is our plan coming back into the community once schools are open because we also need to realize that going into lockdown is also a big trigger for a lot of our people right and apartheid wasn't a hundred years ago i was thinking that yes yes yeah and so again this is this is another trigger for people Mm -hmm. in marginalized communities so we think about the trauma already the panic and the stress Mm. and the anxiety the feeling. Sure. I mean, even this morning when we met, there's the somber energy Gee. going around, yeah. and mm. people feed off of that. Right. And we think about the trauma and the triggers oh. that people are going to be right. feeling. And so, how are we going to deal with that? Right. For me, the biggest concern for our country is yes, people are going to get sick. Right. The reality is that 60% of our population is going to get the virus. We're right. just trying to flatten the curve. Right. And hopefully, and we pray that that will happen. Absolutely, yeah. But most importantly, it's people's mental health. Right. It's people with bipolar, right. depression, mm-hmm. anxiety. And if you haven't been diagnosed before, this could be a trigger right. to get there. That's actually and such a great point. And then where are you going to get that help? Right. And this affects your family. Mm-hmm. So if you have a dad who's now getting into depression, right. how do you help your kids not being right. traumatized by this? Mm. And all of these things has a ripple effect. That's a sh- yeah, and true. so how are you protecting yeah. your family at mm. home, mm. trying to keep your mental health mm. strong? Because remember, your children are feeding off of your panic yeah, and off of true. your anxiety. I mean, my kids can talk about coronavirus till they're blue now. Yeah. My son, who's turning five, asked the other day, Mom, Dad, what is the most dangerous species in the world? And Sounds so right, yeah. Randall, my husband, said, oh, um, human beings. And he's like, no, it's the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. You know, wow. so yeah. they're like picking up yeah. all that. Yeah. So, again, yeah. it's talking about feelings. How are right. you feeling? Um, right. My kids have told me, and they are two and four, that they're worried. They don't want to get the coronavirus. Right. And so we have to sit and explain what that is. And, right. You know, we might get it, but we're trying to protect ourselves right. and being open and honest with your children. Yeah. Um, right. And also have fun with them in various right. ways. Right. Um, if you're going to continue watching the news, you're going to spiral into panic right. and anxiety. So switch off the news for a little bit. Right. Switch on the news when your kids are in bed mm-hmm. or when they're having a nap because all of this feeds into right. their thinking. Yeah, right. And so we're trying to lessen mm-hmm. that as well. Yeah. I'm just thinking when you're just saying that, it's actually just so helpful because for many of us who are coming from, who are in, in, in wealthy or more privileged situations, this virus can be overwhelming. We're just trying to keep it together for ourselves. Yeah. Yes. But we also have an obligation to love our neighbours and yes. to love those with, uh, without resources and ability. And, and one of the ways we do that actually is by looking after our own mental health, by putting us... Because if you're trying to just sort yourself out and just keep your kids together, then 
it's really, really hard for you to actually yeah. think about others. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to echo some of the things yeah. you've said. Switch off. Get a good rhythm going. Find ways that you can look after yourself mm-hmm. so that you have that space to go, how, how are we loving others? How are we sharing what we have? How are we yeah. being a part of that? Because, because that's actually what we need. Yes. We need each other right now. Depressions, anxiety, these kind of things are very real. Yeah. And, and showing love and asking people how they feel. Right. You know, I popped in at my in-laws as well and trying to tell them don't go to the shops because oh. they're approaching 70 and they are getting old. Sorry, uh-huh. mom and dad, you are getting old. Yeah. Um, and their neighbor is, is elderly. He's 74 right. and he was watering in the garden and I just said, hey, how are you doing? And he said, oh, you know, I'm fine. I'm like, but how are you feeling about Because right. you are, you and the yeah. cohort of people that is most right. affected. And then he just went on and he said he is very, very scared. Sure. But he's trying his best to cope. And I said, okay, how can I help you? Sure. I'm going to the shop tomorrow. Do you need anything? Right. You yes. know, and those are the ways that we show up and we serve as right. Christians. Knowing that getting an extra sick pack of milk is going to help your neighbor feel less scared. Mm-hmm. But also he's going to feel loved that there right. are people actually right. caring for them. Exactly. And that's yeah. how we show up exactly. in people's lives. Yeah, that's and brilliant. that's the gospel. Yeah. Relationships. Right, right. That's exactly the next question I wanted to ask, Danny. As, as a Christian, how does your faith help you to think about COVID-19? And the prevailing structural inequalities, because I think that is something that we that we can't. And I'm and I'm sure that people listening to this is like, okay, guys, keep coming back to that. But I think it's mm. it's something that we cannot run away with because the people in in Mowbray is not dealing with it the way people in Elsie's River exactly. and in and in, in, in Kailicha right. is dealing with with this. But as a Christian uh, working in these communities, how how has your faith helped you to process what's currently going on? Look, I I wrestle with God many times. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a good process. There are things that you see and you experience in our communities that are not even reported on the news. And yeah. at times I get angry and I get angry with sure. God. Um, and But I talk to him. And yeah. that's something I've learned to go, life does not make sense without right. him. Yeah. As much as it's chaos and overwhelming, yeah. it just makes it doesn't right. make sense without right. him. Yes. And it makes so much sense with him. So I wrestle, I pray, I talk. Yeah. But then I go, okay, practicalities. How do I love people? What is love? Because we ask to love. So how do I love people in this time? Mm. I know my strengths as Danny. I'm good at allowing people to talk and talking about where they're at in the space and in their lives that they're at. So I'm checking in with my friends, um, um, people who've become new parents. I'm checking in and going, how are you feeling? Because you've just become a new mom, a new dad, and now the coronavirus has hit. So how is this helping you? I'm checking in with my single friends who are living alone yeah. in a flat, who's not going back to mom and dad. You right, know? right. So I'm like, hey, Thursday, I'm going to put the kids early. Can we have a Skype date with red wine? And it's just trying to not forget about wow. people right. and how this is affecting them. So right, sure. in terms of that, and then also a bunch of friends, we have a prayer list going. So okay. what can we pray specifically that's during yeah, that's this beautiful. time that's um, as well? And then... As part of my job is just advocating so people don't forget about those who are marginalized in the city and in right. this country. And going, there is a space as Christians how we can love. Support NGOs that are doing work in the community. Yep. Support people, like you said, small businesses. We need to support each other during this time. Right. And the church can do it. There are right. practical ways yeah. of doing that. Mm-hmm. And we should do it. I think that is, that is so profound. It's so beautiful because I know... Um, as a person of color, that 99% of us know a family that's not within our immediate family that 
always used to come and knock at the door, asking right. for sugar, asking mm. for something. And uh, as Christians, if those people are not on our radar, mm. who do you think is? Because their family members can't, they can't look after each other in the way that you as a mm. Christian with means can potentially come alongside that family. And mm. I, I want to urge particularly the black community to be thinking about that and to be partnering with families within your community families that you maybe have people that you have left and you're not in the community anymore but please be mindful and think and create lists uh, we can't save everyone but mm. here's what you can do you can create a list of people to pray for and mm. and i think what one other thing that's beautiful is that you're tapping into your gift mm. that the lord has given you mm. and so i think what we can do is look at the resources and the gifts that the Lord has given us. And exactly. not just not just material, but yep. the spiritual yes. gifts that the Lord has given mm -hmm. us. And how do we make use of those gifts in this mm -hmm. time and coming alongside people? Yeah, mm -hmm. so my, my advice is think about you as an individual. Think about what are your talents, what are your gifts. A text message means yeah, a lot sure. to someone who doesn't yeah. get text me messages. A lot of phone call goes a long way. And again, it's just valuing people, making right. them feel validated mm. during this time of crises. Right. Um, share a joke, share a meme. There's many right. of those going around. Right. Sure. Um, and that's what's amazing about South Africa. A lot goes on, oh, but yeah. we are a resilient uh, mm. nation. People, yeah. And so mm -hmm. memes go around. We have a sense of humor mm -hmm. and tap into our strengths because mm. we do have the strengths and we yeah. are going to get through it. It's just a tough time. Right. At least we have a little bit of time to prepare for it, but right. we're preparing. Right. And so... Just don't forget about your neighbors. So if you're rushing to the shops and getting some sure. milk and think about the pensioner who's probably living next door in an apartment next to you right. and knock on the door and go, do you need another loaf of bread or do right. you need veg or fruit or tea? Well, yeah. What is it that you need? Right. Um, I'm just going there. Because right now that's what you're seeing, right? People yeah. are panic buying, which yeah. frustrates me because it's selfish. Yeah. It yes. is selfish. Yeah. And that's the best way I can yeah. put it. So when you have five loads of toilet paper, why? 21 days. You know, you, like, you what are you, what are you so do you have you a, you've had yes. a problem before coronavirus is what the meme was saying. Yeah, yeah. Think about your neighbor who right. cannot afford to yeah. shop a month load of right. food. That's the, that's the reality of our country. Right. So when you are having a trolley full of stuff, Think about the person that's coming in behind you yeah, that's who doesn't have the salary to do the exact yeah. exact same thing. And that's what I remember a grandmother telling me in our one of our groups last week right. to go, all I can afford is a loaf of bread and milk this week. Right, right. This week. This week. Mm. So when I go to the shop and there's nothing, right. well, how do I feed my grandchildren? Right. People survive a week on bread. And yes. they take a five rand, they go down to the corner shop and buy one block of wheat bix for two rand fifty. And so when that's not available, you are taking literally food, food. out of people's mouths. Mm. So think about that the next time you go mm. shop. I was, you know, you're talking about that. I was even just thinking about that passage in, in scripture where it says, do not withhold the wages from the poor. Mm. Yeah, and obviously that has implications, I think, for what I was saying earlier about just about paying people, even if they're not working. The, the point of that is not, you know, we, we can be very literalistic about it, but the point is, do not take the basic means to survive out of, the, the hands of the poor. And when yeah. we are when we are stockpiling, it, it's almost as if we, we were well no it's almost as if we are taking that means of survival out of people's out of people's ability, out of their grasp, because you have more than enough. And it feels like there's other scripture passages about that. Mm -hmm. Parable of the rich fool when Jesus says, God comes and says, You fool, you fool. You're you're taking the means of survival, the basic means of survival out of the 
the hands of the poor to build yourself bigger barns, yeah. bigger toilet paper castles. You're a fool. Store up treasures in heaven. And I think we spiritualize that sometimes. Um, because when I read scripture, it's it's the, the way we invest in the lives of the people that are here. Yeah, That's the treasures in heaven. I just imagine us sitting around someday in the new creation and going, you know, Danny, I remember that time I had I had nothing and you bought me a loaf of bread. I remember that time I was lonely and you prayed with me. Treasures in heaven are relational. Yeah, I've seen Christians reacting in similar ways about stockpiling, keeping me and my family safe, which is important with not a real concern for others. Is that revealing something about our faith? Is it revealing something about where our treasures actually are? Yeah. I mean, I think this is a time for us to stand up yeah. as Christians. I mean, what you just hinted at is what, what Jesus says when we stand before him. And this has eternal implications yeah. when we stand before him. When I was in prison, where were you, you did not yeah. come. When I was here, when I was suffering there, when I was suffering. As Christians, we, we love Hebrews, Hebrews 11, this eternal city and men and women who walk yeah. by faith. And, and yeah. it, again, it's spiritualized. <laughs> but then chapter 10 before that, you, you look at the, the hardness of the realities that the, that the Christians had to go through right. on a daily basis and actually what that faith was, what that faith meant. Mm. Guys losing houses, losing, giving up things mm. and sacrificing and, and giving and suffering for yeah. the sake of the cause of the gospel. And often that is related to their, their relationship with those mm. who were suffering. Mm. And Paul reminds them that you did this for the sake of others. And so he says, persevere in the faith that you have. Persevere mm. in, 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 in exemplifying what mm. Jesus came to model for us mm. and how we ought to live and how we ought to be as Christians. But I, I just want to add to that because I think one of the things I always like to do with the scripture passage is say, if this passage was written today, what examples would be used? Wow. So if Hebrews yes. 11 was written about the church during this time, yeah. what is it going to say? By faith, you. By faith, faith, they. And that's very convicting for me. Yeah. Because those are specific examples written to people living in a very real context. And we yeah. want to kind of glorify them and put them on a pedestal. But actually, they're not. They're, ordinary, they're saints, just like you yeah, and me. Yes. If that was written about us, if Hebrews 11 is rewritten, yeah. and I'm not advocating for any of this before we get any hate <laughs> comments, but if it's rewritten for today, what does that look like? Exactly. Yes. And that's for me, is deeply challenging. Mm. Yes. This crisis has also highlighted and spotlighted the fact that our city is so, yep. so entrenched with inequality. Right. Yes. Um, because yeah. I think yeah. the moment that this hit, that we were at 62 people infected, yeah. I messaged my domestic worker and I said, You will stay at home, I will pay you while you're at home. Yes. And by that Friday, she messaged me and she said, Danny, I'm scared. I'm scared because I know someone who worked for someone who tested positive. And these are the things that people are going through as well when we are stockpiling. Remember that people spend 22% of their income to travel outside of their community. So if they're spending 30 Mm. rand to get to the macro, because they also need to to have more than usual while there's lockdown. And now there's nothing left. Where are they going? Where else do they go right. when they've already spent 22% of their income? Yeah. Those are the things that go right. in my mind. And maybe it's because, well, not maybe, it's because I know that I interact with people who are in our communities that are struggling. And so when I spend 1,000 Rand in my weekly shopping, mm. I know that someone's monthly salary right. with a family of more than four. Right, sure. So... I mean, I did, I, I, because I'm outspoken, and the two of you know that. I mean, there was a lady who was stockpiling milk, and I said, but what about the rest of us? Right. Just remember, there is 
other people coming into the store trying right. to buy. And she looked at me and I said, all you I'm asking is put one back for the next person. Sure. And she did. Um, maybe because I just looked at her. And I <laughs> but this is the type of stuff we need to... Right. Stand up. We need to stand up. It's awkward, up but it's need needed. It's so needed. And I think because in my mind, I see that grandma who just wants milk. Just Yeah, one liter. All they want is a milk. Mm. Really, as a church, need to think in more practical ways. Yeah. Specifically, once this lockdown mm. is done, right, and we slowly make way back right. to yeah. normalcy, right. we're not going to back. We're not going to go back to normalcy. Right. Yeah. So, what is the new normal, right. and how yeah. do we support? Yeah. And looking at the impact of this virus, how are you going to support people, not just in the affluent communities, right. yeah. yes, but how do we get along other churches yes. in marginalized communities? Right. I think about the church that I serve at in Haderfeld. You know, how we are going to need help. A lot of our kids don't have soap and water. We have a friend who's trying their best to get uh, soap so we can go on Wednesday tomorrow and deliver soap for our congregation so that they can continue washing hands. Right. Because that is a privilege. Right. Because soap is washing your body and they share a bar of soap amongst everyone. Exactly, yes. So now you want soap for hands every time I come in and out of my house? What What is that? Is, yep. mm. That is the reality of yeah. many, many of our South African right. people. Oftentimes when these things happen, you think of the water crisis, you think of this, uh, it really only gets the spotlight when its affluent areas are being affected. Right. And then the conversation is mm. had. But then when that is sort of stabilized and things are normal in air quotes, then <laughs> life here gets forgotten yeah. within on the, on the Cape Flats, on uh, the townships. Things just go on like we think that the problem is solved. Right. I mean, the world, everything is fine with the world. Meanwhile, life goes on there. And mm. life looks, as you said earlier, like we used to as that one person going through uh, the kind of sufferings that we go through. Mm. It's, it's this thing that's causing this, but there's, there's, that's not normal. Mm. God, he wants, he wants it to stop. He doesn't want suffering to continue. I mean, look at the inequality just in education. Yeah. I can now have another hour, which I won't take up of your time, around the education. <laughs> our matriculants, our grade exactly. 11s, they are going to miss out on education. But I know that the affluent communities, they have online learning support. Right. They can Skype in with their teachers. Right. They already have their assignments due. Exactly. What about our kids on the township and the cave flats? What are mm. they going to do when they don't have a computer? Right. They don't have internet. Sure. They have parents mm. who can't read and write. Exactly. How are they going to empower themselves to get through? I just met a kid that I knew since well, I feel old, but since he was 10. Right. And I saw him walking over the field in Haderfeld. And I was like, hey, how's it going? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what grade are you? And he's like, I'm in my check. I'm like, no, don't tell me. I'm like, how are you feeling? Um, and he's like, I'm feeling so overwhelmed because mm. there's a pressure of me to succeed and to help sure. my family. Right. Um, and now I'm thinking about that boy. And I go, wow. he's now already probably going to be three weeks behind. Right. How is he going to go over his notes when I know his family can't read, can't write. Right. There's substance abuse in that home. Yeah. It's not a safe home. Right. And he's made it to matric. I mean, that's an achievement. That is And huge. I was, I remember sure. messaging my husband going, I am so grateful to the Lord that this boy, yeah. one, is safe, two, mm. he's still as sweet as as possible, and he's <laughs> in the trick. Yeah. Um, you know, these are the things that we celebrate yeah. um, when we know our kids from little, mm. and I go, mm. how is he going to make it out of the crisis? Sure. 
I've been thinking a lot about uh, when we had uh, Vaughan Stanard speaking and he said this this break from school and if it's an extended break, well, actually, I have many kids who just won't go back. Yes. Yeah, and those at the other end yeah, of the scale. And we already, have a, yeah. we already have a problem with mm. kids dropping out of school. We already have a massive gap of inequality and the, the potential. And I, I keep wanting to say the potential. I know you're going to probably stop me again. But the potential is that this gap is just going to get even bigger. That's why, I mean, sure. you should have a whole po- podcast on the education system in, in this country because it actually highlights the issues in, in, yeah. in here and it makes me angry because yeah. there are kids who are lost in our systems. And I'm yes. telling you, I'm telling you, that that's why we've yeah. written programs specifically for boys between 11 to 12 right. years old to help them that's to it. stay in school. Right. And you know what? I can tell you those boys that are already knocked on our door, they're not going to go back because they've already missed one term. Why right. would they go back? And, and I get it. I don't blame these kids. They're sitting in a classroom. Yeah. Their brains aren't functioning right. the way our education system is supposed to meet their needs. Yes. And they're frustrated and they get angry. And then they go, I'm stupid. I yes. don't belong in here. So they'd rather go hang out on the streets. And if you have a bad teacher, they're reinforcing yes. that exactly. narrative. Exactly. And parents, perhaps, yeah. or friends. Exactly. And we have no, all of our skills schools, our technical schools, they have they're a waiting clean. list. So to get those kids in, and especially yeah, once right. they dropped out of school, yeah. to get them back impossible. into school, yeah. it is impossible. Yeah. And so I tell my kids, I know you hate school now, but just stay in school so that we can try and find you a way into a school that can help you mm-hmm. uh, and help you deal with the skills that you do have right. because you mm-hmm. do have them. And this is not just the uh, uh, you know kids at school problem. It manifests differently because I remember when I, I was still working at ShopRite and I, was, I said to my mom, listen, I need to go and to tertiary education because this 400 rand a week is 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 ridiculous mm. I'm, I'm living for for transport money and then a little i give to you mm. this is not getting our family anywhere right this yeah. is not getting me anywhere and i remember her words saying puta just stick out another year sure because that 200 you give me every week helps yeah. for the week mm. and i looked at her and i was like and, you know, there's a sense in which when you grow up in, in a family that doesn't have much, that your parents, even though they don't have much, they still manage to shield us and shelter us from the realities. Mm. And sometimes I think, how did my mom get through 3,000? Now that you're big, you yeah. think 3,000 in a month. How yeah. did this woman do it? Put us through school, put us through yeah. all the stuff. And now from a university student and or graduating from yeah. or get, finishing matric, what you could fall into is now you're beginning to see the reality of home and what life is like at home. And what then happens is you decide to drop out and mm. then you decide to go back to that shop right work. Mm. And what happens is the system continues and poverty, the alleviation of poverty, you never get out of it. Mm-mm. Because now you fall back into that job. You fall back into that menial situation and, and actually it's not helping the situation. Mm. And I think as churches, we need to come alongside and, and as Christians, we need to be thinking about these things and what does it look like even for university students? Because this education thing and this problem is, yeah. is it's massive. Mm. It's massive. Danny, just a final question. What are the practical ways, really practical ways in which our listeners could come alongside, arise and assist you guys uh, in the vital work that you guys are doing, not only during this crisis, but also long-term, the everyday crises that you guys face and one is pray. Mm-hmm. Pray gets us through. Um, and just knowing that people are praying. I just got a message two days ago um, from the UK from a lady who said sure. her mom just passed away 
at 103 months old. And one of the last things she said on her deathbed is, please let Arise know that I've been praying for them. Wow. I remember just reading that and crying, but what an encouragement that was for me to know that we have people praying for the work that Mm. we're doing. (laughs) And I shared it with um, our team, and we were just all just very teary, but (laughs) so encouraged and going, this is why we do what we do. And so please pray for us. It Mm. isn't easy. We need stamina and energy Mm. to keep going Mm. through the work that we do, but we love it and we're passionate about it. Finances, this is yeah. our biggest and always has been our biggest um, challenge is sustainability as right. an organization. So yeah. 200 rand a month gets us through a lot. We are able right. to provide bread and sandwiches and a cup of tea um, for people who come to our groups, mm. for our kids that are part mm. of our groups as well, as well as here's our internet for the month, <laughs> um, all helps us. Um, mm. So that is a practical way. As well as we're trying to train throughout South Africa. So wherever you are in South Africa, if you can provide a venue for us and accommodation. We travel to Johannesburg and Durban and PE. And even if you're in Bloemfontein, we've had a lot of requests from Bloemfontein. Um, But we don't know people in Bloemfontein. So if you have a venue there, we'd love to come to Bloemfontein or Kimberley and and kind of train people who want Mm. family strengthening services as well. And that's a practical way to help us as well because we do charge for our training um, but that income goes back into our family center and our adoption support that we do brilliant oh. I, I want to stress again because i'm probably i'm probably getting ahead of you because i think we're on the set we sing the same song on this one is that mm. when crisis hits we really we want to do merciful acts and we do and we, mm. people need extra special help but one of the key ways that we strengthen our communities both during this crisis and during the crisis, the long ongoing crisis of inequality in the city yeah. is by strengthening the hands of those who are in the communities yeah. already doing the work. Partner with those who are on the ground, both yes. now especially, yes. but also long term. Yeah. Uh, and so once again, we are going to give, we're going to put uh, Arise's details below this podcast. And I want to say to those of you going, I don't know what to do. Through the course of this mini series, we've given you at least three options yes. of people who yes. you, who we and, and organizations who we are backing. Uh, there are many more, but we've given you three at least yes. that we're saying you can. So there's something you can do, and we just mm. want to get behind the work of Arise, get behind the work of the other organizations we've we've highlighted. This is the work that is going to not only deal with this crisis, but actually it's going to start turning the tide of inequality as we strengthen their hands. Yes. I can't actually promote that enough. And I think if, if this is the only podcast you're going to listen to, let me reiterate it. That's, that's Beautiful Gate. That's Arise. That is uh, Peter Macapella's church um, in Strand. Mm. Uh, all the details are available on, on the other podcast. And Danny mentioned uh, the church that she works mm. and fellowships with yeah. in, in Haderfeld. We'll try and, and, and make the details mm. available for these individuals so that you can then connect right. with these with these people. So that's four, two four. churches and two NGOs that you can partner right. with. And I also know all of them and I support all of them right. and the work that they do. And and the reality is, I just want to say this, as South Africa, we can't do it alone. Exactly. We need to do it in partnership. Mm. And so we need mm. to partner as organizations. We mm. need to partner as churches mm-hmm. and work together. Yeah. Right now, we're all fighting for the same piece right. of pie. Right. Um, and I just want to say that we're never going to make the impact exactly. that we want. We need to partner and we need to work well together. Yep. Once again, thank you for being with us, Denny. Thank this, you. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks, <laughs> thank thanks, thanks for being with us. It's always a privilege and yeah. always a pleasure to have you.
Guys, you can follow us on Yella Mensa uh, on Twitter, Issa Bombano on Facebook. Give us your, your comments, give us your feedback. If, if you liked it, if you found this helpful, this, this podcast, please do share it with friends, with family. Again, this audio was produced by Exilic Music. You can find them at www.exilic.co.za. I am David signing out. And I'm John saying we got work to do. Yeah, Vasilana. Play back. Be safe, people. <laughs>